I'm Ella Fisher. I'm from Edinburgh City Football Club, and you are listening to the Half Court Press podcast. Hi, I'm Tilbert LaHaye from the International Football Federation, and you are listening to Half Court Press. Hi, I'm Neela Brennan, and I play for England Corfal and Trojans Corfal Club, and you're listening to the Half Court Press. Hi, I'm Dan Pratt from Edinburgh City Corporal Club and you are listening to the Half Court Press Podcast. Corfball is a mixed gender sport that originates from the Netherlands that is similar to both netball and basketball. It's an invasion game that is eight aside with four women and four men on each team. Corfball has been around for over 100 years and is now played all over the world. In this series, we find out a bit more about the sport from those involved. Theo McLeod is your presenter. Hi, I'm Jack Pitt from the Scottish Corfball Association and Edinburgh University Corfball Club, and you're listening to the Half Court Press podcast. Hi, I'm Kashif Irshad, Scotland Corfball Association and Edinburgh University Corfball Club, and you're listening to the Half Court Press podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Half Court Press podcast. You join us with our Corfball specials. Today I am sat with Jack Pitt and Kashif Urshid. Yeah, yeah. So Jack and Kash are from Scottish Corfball uh, and both in, in top brass roles within the organisation. <laughs> And they're here to tell us about what is happening in the sport of corporal and what is happening specifically in Scotland. Hey guys, how you doing? Good, good. Um, excited to be on. Excited to share the story of corporal in Scotland. Yeah, same. Uh, Listen to a few, and we're very excited to to add my add my voice to the to the back catalogue. <laughs> So can we learn a bit about yourselves, uh, where you're from, uh, what, 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 are you, what, are, what are your roles within, within Corporal and Scottish Corporal? Uh, Jack, should we start with you? Yeah, sure. So um, I'm originally from Bristol, uh, down south, and then came up to university in Edinburgh uh, in September 2019. And uh, from there, joined uh, Edinburgh Uni Corporal Club. Um, uh, the first, the first uh, coaching and refereeing, uh, and then I think it was about April, May 2020, uh, was uh, elected onto the Scottish Corporal Association Management Committee uh, as the publicity and web sort of and uh, keeping in touch with clubs and the wider Scottish Corporal community about stuff that's going on. And yeah, uh, that's that's. All that I'm doing at the moment. Awesome. Uh, Cash, what about yourself? So me, um, name's Cash, obviously. I've been living in Edinburgh since I was eight years old. So that is 13 years. Um, the way I got into Corfball was um, through my university degree at Edinburgh. Um, I think I was starting my third year. Um, someone liked, someone from my freshers liked the like the posts, it said Corfball. I Googled it. I was like, all right, this looks okay. 
um, went to a taster session. Um, Dan Pratt saw me and the rest is um, some form of history. Um, good or bad is, is different people's opinions. Um, but yeah, um, that's pretty much how I got into Corfball. And since then, um, I have done everything there is to do in Corfball. So like Jack, I've played, I refed um, all in my first year. Then in my second year, I coached and played even more. Um, and then once I graduated university, um, Dan took me on to be a coach at his city club. Um, did that for a year, really enjoyed it. And then I only am on the committee because someone stepped down. Um, they see, they were advertising like someone to fill in the position. Um, and I thought, yeah, hey, I have some ideas and why not, why not start getting involved? Um, I am actually, I've never been to like an AGM. I normally stayed away from it, but Jack, the reason why he's doing it is because there's always someone at Edinburgh Uni, they have to like force someone into the role, all right? And Jack was the keenest. Um, and so basically me and Dan were like, Jack, you're gonna have to jump on the committee. Yeah, everything everything that's happened to me in, in Corpool so far has all been uh, enthusiastic. Just saying, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll go for that. Um, and that's, that's just how I've ended up doing such a variety of different things in such a short space of time. That's how you'll get picked for the national team one day. I'll <laughs> <laughs> just come in and be like, you, you want to play? But like, yeah, sure. Um, Cash, your accent sounds a tad more English than Edinburgh. Yep. Yeah, got good catch. Um, yeah, you'll never believe where I, where I actually am from. I was born in Newcastle, um, so I'm meant to have a Geordie action, speak like why are you man? Um, but I lost it because I, I did a couple of years in Leicester when I was about six, seven, eight, um, and then I moved up to Edinburgh. But too clearly too old to pick up the Scottish accent too much. Um, although I can put it on if I'm trying to. Uh, funny enough, if we're playing, if I'm playing <laughs> as a Scottish team against an English team, I'm suddenly all Scottish. But otherwise, then I'm all English when it's just internal. My, my, my mother goes a bit like that. My, my, I, I grew up in London, but my, my mother's from Scotland. And on the family holidays, suddenly she starts speaking like a Scottish person. It's like, well, <laughs> you, you don't sound like that. What are you doing? Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I, I do it all the time, especially when I go home. And like to, when I went to, back to Newcastle and see my fam and order like fish and chips, I'm suddenly speaking full Geordie. And... <laughs> It's it's not it's not me. People are like, why do you sound like this now? Right. So, what is corfball? You want to go, Jack? Yeah. So, I mean, um, short of, of the best the best sport created, um, <laughs> in, in my humble opinion, um, it's it, it's. I mean, the classic analogy is a combination of basketball, netball, and handball. Um, the way that I, I kind of see it is a bit more to, to the netball side in terms of how it looks to play. Um, but it's a very uh, dynamic and quick moving sport um, that involves um, to a, a team of eight, which is made up of uh, four male and four female players uh, trying to get a ball through uh, a yellow basket called a corf. Um, and there's certain limitations around what you can do. So like there's no dribbling, uh, you can't defend someone of uh, an opposite sex. Uh, and if I think the key rule that really gives Corfball its kind of identity is uh, the defended rule. Um, I don't know if Cash wants to expand a bit on that and yeah. how it affects Corfball. Um, so the defended rule is what makes the sport um, dynamic and fast moving. So. Um, I don't know if you ever watched netball, but the whole point is once you get close to the basket and you can shoot, the defenders can't come right on top of you and block the shot. 
um, that's not the case in korfball. So the difference is you can only shoot if you're free from your marker. And that essentially means, um, I guess an easy way to put it is you are defended if the defenders are between you and the post, they are close enough to touch your shoulder. They're actively marking the ball with their hands and they're looking at you. And if those four criteria are met, then the referee should blow a defended call if the person tries to shoot. Um, that makes it hard to ref. Um, but the important thing is, it, it, it basically means that because you can't dribble the ball, um, you basically have to be able to pass the ball around quickly, move around quickly to create space or and a bit of time. So you need like one second to get a shot off before you're defended. Um, and so a lot of the you know training for it is like, can you pass quick? Can you move quick? Can you shoot quick? And, and it's just doing things at speed. Another feature that I've noticed is that it it seems to be one of the few sports out there that's mixed gender. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that is definitely the unique, unique, unique selling point. Yeah. So um, maybe we can do a little bit of a history lesson, but I think the guy who came up with it, his whole concept was he's trying to decide to design a sport that wasn't like, um, didn't have like almost like exploitations in it in terms of like it requires teamwork and it requires people not to just have like one unique attribute that they can dominate with. So obviously that's the issue with basketball. If you're super tall and you have one tall person in your team, the whole team just revolves around getting that person the ball and then just laying up the ball in the basket. But um, in korfball, the defended rule itself, it means even if someone is like five foot, they can still defend me, even if I can just shoot over the top of them. So it requires you to pass the ball about and then being mixed gender um, because in essence, both gender has the same opportunity to score because they're being marked by their own gender. Um, you have to collaborate. Um, there's no game I've ever seen where one, even if you have one one of the best players, unless your other seven are good enough, there's no way that one player can carry a team. So that is the key like concept of korfball. And that extends to this idea of being a mixed gender sport. Like the rules are designed that it doesn't matter what gender you are. The idea is that you just collaborate and it, and it's a way and a very unique way to get different people from different lifestyles into the same hall, doing the same thing, um, where football isn't always like that. And, you know, many other sports because of the gender issue. Is it also, is it also 4v4 per half? Maybe it's eight aside, but you're not allowed to cross the halfway line, he, that right? Yeah, Jack Jack can explain this one. He's done the yeah, ref and so course recently. Um, you're, you're in your, your division, so you, but assuming there aren't any substitutions, which which there always are, you're going to be playing against the same four people um, throughout the whole match, and you're going to be playing with the same four people the whole match. So every two goals, um, you'll swap over. So the uh, if you're attacking, you become the defenders, and if you're defending, you become the attackers. And this kind of means that it, it it's one of the most positionless sports. So you may be very, very good at defending, but if you can't shoot and you can't pass very well, then you're not going to be valued as someone who can do everything because you're going to have to spend half your time doing uh, attacking and half your time defending, um, which, again, just uh, emphasises the whole collaborative teamwork, well-rounded aspect of the sport. So that's a, that's a directional switch rather than, rather than an area change. Like, yeah, no, you'll switch. You'll physically switch what side of the court you're on. 
so every two goals, everyone everyone runs through half court. <laughs> yeah, they're at the ref. There's a little siren with the, with his hand. It's all it's all quite a big palaver. Um, how often have you had a, like, a bit of a clash? Uh, I I famously like con- nearly concussed myself because I wasn't paying attention. I was sprinting to get back. I just smashed into this guy. I think he's six foot. It was before you came, Jack. Six foot four, a German built. My face went right into his chest. And my nose it hasn't hurt so much since. Um, that's the only time it's happened to me. You get a lot of people tripping over. Um, yeah. Caitlin is is a famous one for that. If if you're a really coordinated team, then you'll all high five each other on the way past. But that's so. If you see that, then that's when you know that that, that that's a that's a well well that's a team with a lot of chemistry. <laughs> Might as well give up if you see that. <laughs> I, I would imagine I, I'm a sneaking suspicion that Dan Pratt likes a half likes a high five in the halfway line. <laughs> That is the key proponent of any high five. Dan will <laughs> high five you after a session. Dan will high well even in um COVID times. He's get he's the guy who loves the foot five, um like with the with the feet. Dan loves the 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 high five. That is definitely his thing. Why should we play corfball rather than handball, netball, basketball? Why why did you choose this sport specifically than any other net net and ball game? Oofed. Do it, I mean, I can jump first because yeah, I, yeah. I made a switch. So I used to play basketball, um, not a good level, um, but um, I, that was what I was like obsessed with when I was growing up. And I actually wanted to play a bit more at school, but there wasn't um, a massive um, team. Um, so I started playing men's basketball and basically I just couldn't get enough minutes. I wasn't good enough. I couldn't, I couldn't really dribble. I could only dribble with one hand because I hadn't done being in an academy. I hadn't done like coaching when I was younger. So it was very one-handed. That very limits you in any like organised basketball because everyone realises that very quickly and they just stop letting you dribble with your right hand. Um, so essentially for me, I got bored of basketball. I was like, I'm not getting enough minutes. I'm not getting better. And I'm playing against, with and against like a lot older men. Like these, a lot of these guys are like 30, 40. I'm like, it's cool. They're nice guys, but I'm like, I'm not going to go out for a drink with them a lot. Are they like, I'm 18 and they're 30. Like there's a big gap. Um, so the good thing about Corporal is it's, um, like I said, it brings everyone together. Um, but in terms of actually playing it, um, for me, um, don't have to dribble, but I still get to do all the fun parts of basketball like move about pass, like passing my favorite thing for sure. Um, I think I'm like LeBron James out there, but I'm definitely not. But the point is, I, I've, I enjoy like the idea of teamwork, working together, getting the perfect goal, much more than the individualism, I guess, of basketball, where it's a lot of if you can beat your man, then you can get a basket type thing. You say, you say there's no dribbling. I think I think if I had nutted a six foot German's chest, I might have been dribbling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, there is there is like some disgusting things that happen to court, but we don't want to talk about that. Jack, yeah. So I think um, what what I think is great about court is that pretty much everyone joins it with zero experience, and everyone. I remember I remember my first taster session at Edinburgh uh, Uni, and just standing there going, "What what on earth is happening? Why are the why are the baskets so high? And like, why are they shooting like this? And just sitting down and asking so many questions. Um, but what I've realized from, from coaching is that almost whatever sport you come from, um, there's gonna be bits that transfer. So I um, played badminton for, for most of my school uh, and college life before I came to, came to university. Um, realized that I wasn't, wasn't quite good enough to get onto the uh, Edinburgh University badminton team, but um, managed, but 
realized that when I came to Corporal, a lot of the skills transferred, even though they, they look completely different. Um, a lot of the movement, the footwork um, was like very, very similar. And so I had kind of some skills already and every player that has, has come and gone to a case session and has come from a sport that they've played at really any level, um, there's always something in that sport that is going to be useful and give them a give them an edge um, regardless of what it is. So you get a lot of basketball and netball players because obviously it's quite visually similar, but regardless of the sport, there's there's something that's going to give you that that little thing over someone that hasn't played with a different sport. And that's something that you get with a sport that no one's played before. And um, most people only arrive at university or when they're, when they're a bit older. The Half Court Press is now on Patreon. Patreon is a well-known and trusted online platform that allows our fans to support the sports journalism that we create. We offer a tiered subscription plan with more content being made available to our fans who choose to spend a bit more each month. We at the Half Court Press would appreciate any and all support that you wish to contribute towards our articles, podcasts and interviews. All right, so let's let's focus a little bit more on on Scotland. You're both although neither of you seem to be actually from Scotland, involves, <laughs> I think Cash will be the biggest claim here. But yeah. um, I'm a Scottish student according to universities and that's important obviously for me but apart from that <laughs> I guess I'm English. What is happening in, in Scottish corporal right now? What's God, right now, right now obviously we're in a bit of a quiet period, quiet before the storm you might want to call it. Yeah. Um, me and Jack have been, been on this committee doing all these little things and we're slowly inching towards this comeback of contact corporal. It's due for the 17th of May. So fingers crossed that still happens. But in terms of like what is about to happen is I think we're hopefully, um, fingers crossed, we're going to have lots of people looking for stuff to do because they've been stuck indoors. Um, and hopefully they realise that no matter how bad you are at sports you th- or you think you are at sports, like Jack said, if you can, if you can walk, if you can catch a ball, even like like fifty percent of the time, we can coach you to play golf ball. Like it's not, it doesn't require a massive amount of skill. So hopefully that means we'll have lots of people coming in, and there'll just be a buzz of activity over the summer before we restart the season in the August in the autumn. But maybe Jack has another view. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess if you take that question quite literally, what's happening right now? I mean. Um, I got trading on Thursday. Uh, <laughs> is still happening. Um, and that's like kind of the positive of this is that uh, since I think it's uh, start of March, mid-March, um, non-contact, socially distanced corporal is happening, um, which is even even uh, uh, even that, um, I know at Edinburgh Uni, we've had uh, three or four people um, come who in, who've never played before and um, have just said they spent the last three months doing nothing and being bored uh, uh, in there stuck in their flats and coming out and actually doing something has been um kind of a revelation because that's that's not been able to happen so 
hopefully we won't have to do social distanced non-contact corporal for too much longer but um that's that's what's happening like right right this moment yeah oddly this has been the busiest year like although hard like the most time i spent coaching even though we haven't done contact corporal we've just been doing non-contact so there's still a lot being going on um but new new wave coming up even more going on hopefully I, I love that. What is it? Is it much money? Yeah, yeah. It's so much money. Uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm out of pocket every year, and, and I like ref and coach, which are meant to give you a bit of money, and I'm still out of pocket. So I feel money is not. You know, there's not money in Scottish corporate. In the Netherlands, if you're at the top league, I think you're around the twenty thousand euro mark um, a year, which is you know passable. I mean, you probably want to do a job on the side as well, um, but. Like right now, there ain't that much money. But to be fair, when we go down to England, you see, you know, quite a few sponsors on stuff. So maybe there is more money down there yeah. than there is up here. One thing, one thing about Scottish corporate that I've um, quite enjoyed is the fact that the that everyone everyone's an amateur. Like even even the top level of Scottish corporate, um, everyone is just a, a normal person. And I I remember coming to my first match and not really knowing what was going on and seeing essentially adults um and I, I i turned up and was like this this is not what i expected um but it, it it gives especially for students it gives them a kind of different um a different world that's kind of out, out of their normal student bubble um and you, you're playing against some people who are very very skilled um but at the end of the day are just normal people um because everyone is an amateur and everyone's just playing for fun so it gives it a kind of it's a, it's a nicer atmosphere than, than I'd guess, some other top-level uh, sports. For sure, for sure. That's definitely the key key thing. It's like, it's, it's a chill atmosphere because, I mean, my first game was against, I was matched up against an international player and he did me for toast. So, I mean, and, that, and no one then started jeering me or, you know, said, oh, he's rubbish, he's shit. Oh, sorry, I, I shouldn't swear. <laughs> um, but, um, so, and, and I went for... And I went from there and, and you know, everyone's still like, oh, well done, well done. And this is a team that I'd be, I'm playing with a team who'd been played all before and they're all so supportive. So it, it's that vibe that, because everyone's an amateur and everyone starts from zero, like there is no like click, there is no like stress. And when you play a game. So who are the big clubs in Scotland? Depends who you ask. Yeah, yeah. Who are the big clubs? Um... I mean, as an as an SKA board member, all the clubs are big and all the clubs are valued, right? Um, as a non-SKA board member, I think the big clubs are Edinburgh Uni. It's obviously the most historic club, um, so it's the first club in Scotland. Um, City's big. I think they won the most league titles. Mavs have been the most dominant recently. Um, Glasgow, obviously, are the big club in in Glasgow. Um, St. Andrews did have a little period, but, you know, maybe not as big as they once were. Um, and Strathclyde's definitely like a very new club. That's Strathclyde um, University. Strathclyde University, yeah. And, they're, and they're, they've got talent. Um, the, ever since I've started, like, they've always produced really good players. Um, and then I guess we also have the one team that we have outside the central belt, which is Dundee, and they're big. A, because they have three teams, which is not, you know, a lot of teams don't manage to get three teams. And um, they have also um, done best at, like, promoting youth ball so far. Um, they have, like, developed 
mainly through family ties so it's not like they have a system or anything but they've been good at getting really young people started corporate quite young and they're starting to turn into like really decent players um and you know if they go university to you know one of the what, uh, team unis that has a club uh, I, I could see them potentially one a couple of them maybe pushing for national team but that's a whole nother combo the the youth team thing seems interesting um because a lot of a lot of people I've spoken to uh, on Corfball in Scotland don't seem to have originated from Scot- from Scotland. Mm-hmm. It's the U- the unis are youth system at the minute. So yeah. um, this is why I I am a big proponent for uni Corfball. But I'll let Jack. He's still at uni, so he can he can discuss that a bit more. Yeah, I mean, pretty much um, from from our uni team, I think uh, one person has has. Two, two people have played uh, before coming to uni and one of them is from Norwich and one of them was from Germany. Um, and in, in Scotland, um, I guess the youth setup is, is limited to just Glasgow and Dundee. Um, and they're the only two clubs that have, have any kind of uh, youth, youth system. Um, and I think that's partly due to, due to time and resources. Um, and I, th- I think partly due to just um, a lack of demand amongst people in the community because corporal is a, is a kind of an, an unknown so there isn't a desire cash may disagree but um a lot of a lot of the people who coach and coach they coach they ref they are on committees and um they they a lot of people don't have time for for more um and i guess youth corporal is just another aspect to, to add in um that i guess we haven't really uh fully tackled yet um and i think the universities have provided a pretty uh, consistent and solid pipeline for players so there isn't the um there isn't a massive desire for it among among uh the the city clubs um but i guess if things change in the future then i think there's definitely going to be a, a growth in in youth corporal yeah i mean it's probably gonna have to start with first getting like um, I mean, this is something I'm working on slowly and I won't get time to finish at all, but I was going to take multiple people to do it, but the idea of like getting it like exposed to school children more. So um, especially, you know, with the mixed gender aspect, I, th- I really think it has a like a place for it in like, especially people who aren't maybe that sporty, but need to get, you know, brought into that team sports environment. So they get the lessons that will help them in later life, you know, teamwork, um, communication with each other, collaboration, these things like, they benefit so many people but a lot of people shy away from sports because it's too hard to get into or they didn't do sports when they were like five six seven so they can't jump into a sport but i think corporal can hit that market um i have to call it a market like it's a get like it's a commodity but you know it should really tackle that that kind of issue in the future and that's when you'd start to get enough demand to have youth teams i think Cash, you you mentioned the mixed gender thing and 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 that as a as a selling point in schools do you think that, that this would be a useful thing in terms of feminism, even in terms of getting young boys and young men to say, look, girls can play sport too? Yeah, no, it's, 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 I mean, that's a big thing at first, like just being able to accept that, yeah, their, their sporting technique may be different because they've adjusted to the, you know, their body, their experiences, their life, but they can still do the concept of sport, whatever way that is. So the unique thing about Corporal is you have very many different play styles, even though you're meant to be a well-rounded player. Like the way I play and the way I try and score goals, very different to, um, I mean, the best example is um, a guy I played with um, 
from Malaysia, Tasha. She was small, didn't shoot right, um, but was way better than me um, because she was just too quick, like too quick for anyone to keep with in the, in the league. Um, and so that's what that, for me, myself, like I can put it up on my own experience. It definitely opened up my eyes to like, yeah, like, of course, most women can play sports if they're getting into, you know, I mean, all women can play. I think everyone can play sports to some extent. Um, like once you get into that and they're given coaching and they, you know, they're given the same resources as men that you'll see them outshine. You'll see that you're, a lot of the best players or the PT, you know, the people who drive teams to success, it's, it's to, down to how good their females are because um, they're a bit, you know, they're half the team. They've got to be good. Um, and I think on a wider scale, it's like, especially with kids. I mean, in schools, very quickly, people d- dive into their genders with their schoolmates. You know, you got, you know, the boys trying to stick together, the girls stick together. Normally, obviously, there's crisscross. Um, but it's just forcing, um, the, you know, people opposite genders to collaborate. Um, like, sometimes it's just doing that and seeing people, like, in these scenarios builds up respect for each other and makes you understand that when you get to the workplace, when you get to university, you're comfortable in those um, situations, which, you know, isn't a guarantee if you've, if, if you've always just stuck to like, oh, I hang out with guys all the time and I only speak to guys and I only listen to guys, then suddenly you're in a, a mixed workplace and you don't know what to do. Like same with, you know, it's important that people get to collaborate earlier on. Yeah, I think the, the key with corporal is there is, there is no way that you're going to win if you don't treat everyone on your team as an equal. If, if you only pass the ball to the other guy on your team or um, don't give the, the girls a, a, a second thought, then you're just going to lose because the, the way Corporal is set up is, is that's not going to work. So I think that is a really um, valuable skill to learn. And uh, I mean, I, I, I know... I've seen some some guys come in from uh, from taster sessions and with a with a bit of a, a I guess a more arrogant attitude and not last very long because you kind of need to put the team before yourself and if you can't do that then it's it's not going to work. The Half Court Press is on social media. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. back on the university uh, uh, feeder teams like, like you were talking about before the, the lack of the youth teams and the youth development as a, uh, as a young age and the lack of the schools couple currently but the huge development in university university based teams and clubs does this does this Reduce perhaps a lack of a lack of diversity in terms of of, of class, in terms of potentially ethnicity. Um, for sure. I mean, I I've yeah, oddly enough, we've been just, we've discussing this all year um, from different aspects. But the first thing I said when I came into the committee was that we have a we have a barrier because we only we only have teams in the three most like three of the most prestigious unis in Scotland. So. Um, I use my example a lot. Like I was very lucky. I got a bursary to a private school and that let me go to Edinburgh University. I don't think without it, I probably wouldn't have gone to Edinburgh University. So 
then I would never be exposed to korfball, right? And I, I've done all this journey. I've done lots of things. I've helped the sport. And I try to use that as an example of that we need to focus on a getting schools everywhere because schools, you know, it's by catchment area, so you're more likely to get the whole, you know, range of population. But I've also like really, and I think Jack is like we need to get more unis involved. Um, it's just hard to get interest though. Like you need at least eight players to start a team, and that's hard to do when you have no one at that university knows about korfball. Um, but that's definitely like, um, I think where the SK is pushing and I wouldn't be surprised if in the next three years we have at least one of a university team. Yeah, you mentioned that, you mentioned the bigger universities there. So I believe that's what, Strathclyde Uni? Strathclyde, St. Andrews and Edinburgh University. So especially the St. Andrews and Edinburgh University, that is very class driven. So, St. Andrews is in Fife, quite near me, um, yeah. which is very, very close to, to Edinburgh. Uh, and then uh, Strathclyde is out over in Glasgow. So these these are Glasgow and is the industrial capital of Scotland, Edinburgh being the political and economic capital. These do seem to be the, 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 the hubs here of, 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 of the sport. Much, much diversity and involvement in, in itself? Oof. I mean, I'll take this because I'm more aware of like Scotland demographics than Jack maybe, but um, I think it does. I think especially a unique thing, like at the uni teams, we actually have quite a lot of international players, like a hell of a lot of international players because Edinburgh Uni attracts a lot of international students, sort of St. Andrews um, and Strathclyde, but I think you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm, maybe I'm just being biased because I went to Edinburgh University. But I feel like there's, there's a lot of people like who come to Edinburgh University from abroad to get that degree in the UK. Um, and it's something that the uni itself it like likes to um, keep happening. So that, like, so then it's diverse in that way. Like, you get a lot of different cultures at like a korfball social. Like, um, a lot of people from Malaysia, people from Hong Kong, um, people from where else? Switzerland. You got Jai, you know anyone else? Lots of European countries. Yeah, so like all the European yeah, countries. So yeah. You got like France, Germany, Switzerland. Um uh currently, yeah, uh, quite a lot of um uh, East Asian countries, um India. So yeah, like the the uni itself and and Edinburgh Unicorpor is made up of quite a internationally diverse um group, but I guess if we're talking UK about, diverse, yeah, it's a bit yeah, different. Yeah, there's there's two kind of different stories. When I first moved to uh, moved to Edinburgh, in two thousand and seven, I was struck about how lacking in diversity it was. There's a few, there's a few um, far eastern Asian people up the Leaf Walk, a couple of uh, European migrants up, up Leaf Walk, and um, there's a few sort of uh, uh, I, think, I, think it's, I think it's predominantly Punjabi, uh, also Indian, Pakistani, Bangladeshi communities in 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 Trinity, New Haven area of Edinburgh. Yeah. yeah but is. apart from that, there's not much in terms of, uh, and are these people going, going to the universities? I mean, I'll, I'll tell you now, I lived here and I very well know that it's not super diverse. Um, but do these people go to university? Not to, not as much go to Edinburgh University as probably should. Um, 
considering obviously they'd be eligible for free fees. Um, at the moment, that's obviously going to might change, but um, this is an issue. Like this is an issue that's actually quite well known um, in Scotland, Cove It's it's now you know, and that's why we you know we're trying to bring in a board um, that will kind of oversee these long term projects um, and let the kind of the, like me and Jack focus. You know, if we and Jack were on it, more focus on like the day to day running, and then hopefully that can let us just better plan to you know get to a spot where we can now say cool, we've got enough people, let's open up a university, let's open up a university team at Harriet Watt. And that should open us up to a new different type of, you know, you know, some more, you know, make us a bit more diverse. And then Napier, you know, and then in Glasgow, let's get the University of Glasgow in there, let's get um, Glasgow Caledonian in there. Um, and then slowly through that like process of adding universities, you should get more of the population in Scotland. But it is quite important to realise as well, like, like you mentioned, like Edinburgh itself, and that is probably you know, Edinburgh are the most cosmopolitan places in Scotland. Scotland's just not a super diverse place. Um, the growth in it is is quite high. And I think within the next 10 years, you'll have a very diverse place, um, you know, much more than you currently do. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what happens on the next time we do a census and see what the actual figures are. Um, and I think it's important for not just corporate, but people in general in Scotland to understand that the country will become more diverse. Um, and instead of waiting until that happens and trying to address it, then, you know, let's get things sorted out. So, you know, systems are right and everything kind of works right to make sure who plays corporate reflects what Scotland society is. Um, which at the minute it does, to be fair, even potentially more diverse than a lot of places in Scotland. But um, again, that's more the international influx. So in order to make use of a greater talent pool, in order to in order to get different perspectives on how to how to approach sports is it is it is getting into schools enough is that the only way of of developing court ball in scotland it's not the only way but it's the easiest way i think i mean jack you can jump in if you have thoughts but um i think i mean if you if you let school children i guess i guess I, I mean, my, my view is that the key barrier with corporal is just purely lack of knowledge. Um, I think if more people knew about it, then more people play it. And um, the, the issue that we have with, with where the clubs are placed regarding universities and city teams um, kind of feeds into that lack of knowledge um, because people find out that at Freshers' Fairs and um, from friends and from social circles. And if you only have clubs in certain social circles then you're only going to get people replicating those those it's, it's an echo chamber so i think getting in schools would lead a start because it would broaden it quite quickly um but a lot of a lot of that is about retention once once school children move on because very few will, will well it, it it depends but whether they stay in the area or not is um is not is not certain whereas with um, people who are uni students they're definitely there for a certain amount of time and adults are often more stable so I guess each each solution has its big upsides and its drawbacks and I think there needs to be some kind of mixed mixed solution to this but that's the same with any any issue and um, any any solution is a, is a is a good start. How how much responsibility do the clubs have on this? Oof, this is a spicy question. If it was my way, 
I think they would have a much bigger responsibility for promoting youth corporal and developing it. Um, currently, what 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 the system's more like is the SK kind of manages the game, manages the rules, sets the guidelines, sets the framework. The clubs are very independent in how they want to approach actually producing a team. Um, you know, so I might be wrong on this, but I think Matt, your Mavs is a um, breakaway club from City. Um because I guess two people, they want to do it different ways, have different ideas. There is no, there's not very much standardized process. You know, Dundee do things a certain way. They coach things a certain way. Glasgow coach a different way. St. Andrews coach a different way. I coach a different way. Um, so even in coaching, there's quite a big gap. Um, whereas in football, if you go to any of football, you know, every coach goes through the English FA. You know, I only know the England game but the English FA coaching course and they instill in you what you should be coaching. So it's quite standardized across the whole country where in Scotland Corp, that's just not a thing. Like it really depends on what club you go to and that will really influence what A, hey, what your experience of corporate is and B, how they approach in terms of getting talent, how they represent the sport, what they think the sport should be like. It's, and that's, that's a really positive, but there are some negatives with it as well. But it's positive. That means there should be a club for every type of personality, every type of like, you know, value. Yeah, I think, I mean, in terms of youth development, it, it is entirely club driven uh, in that at the clubs, there was, there was someone or a group of people who wanted to set up a youth system and um, the SKA, I mean, I, I, I wasn't here when, when it happened. So the SKA may or may not have supported them. And um, I'm sure the SKA would have, appreciate have appreciated them doing it but it's it's been their kind of uh their decision um yeah so it's it, it would be good to have a more centralized um way of doing things but at the moment the way that the sk works with i mean all volunteers and um not as much uh power as i guess something like the english fa has exactly um, yeah you're kind of limited by by what the clubs want to do um but i think i mean at the moment for the size that the sk the size of scotland corporal i don't think it's a particular uh, issue yet but um yeah i think if if in the future it, it grows significantly or um so i guess if something goes wrong then you might want to re reevaluate that but i think the system is uh doing what it's meant to do at the moment no, I'd agree. The system works for where the current state is. Um, it's about what happens when we take that next step, um, which again is a big job for whoever comes in next. Just, just to clarify for the listeners who haven't picked up on this yet, SK stands for Scottish Corporal. Uh, yep, Scottish Corporal Association is association, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tournaments. Let's talk about tournaments a little bit um let's start let's start uh with the domestic leagues league and cup system mm-hmm. um the universities are el- eligible to play in the british universities and colleges sports leagues bucks yeah. but yeah. they're also like many like many other sports including my own hockey they um they also compete in the uh, national domestic setup. Yeah. Um, again, corporal's very much the same. Um, basically, um, uh, if you're a university team, you have three competitions. You're basically three competitions that have silverware. 
that you owe points or like stakes to them. You have the league, you have the SK Cup, and then you have Bucks. And for now, I can only again speak from Edinburgh Uni, and considering I'm the coach there, I guess I set this a little bit as well. It's definitely like Bucks is the key. Like finishing in the league, irrelevant. The ones won't get relegated from the top division. The twos won't get promoted to the top division. So they're kind of like in this like kind of set set thing. So the league is basically for me as a coach, extra practice sessions, extra scrimmages, you know, testing my players to see, get them up to scratch when it goes to like the important tournament, which is Bucks. If you're a city club, I mean, that's completely different. Your whole thing is the league. You know, you want to finish as high as you can in the league. Um, and I just like, so I experienced the switch quite recently. The season before pandemic was the one first one outside of my um outside of university and suddenly the league became important and never had I taken games on a Sunday that seriously. Normally, um, you know, it's a common hungover or you come in like half asleep and you're just like, I'll get a few shots up. It's just about getting, you know, fit, learning some tactics, getting some shots up. With, with um, the safe club, it's like, nah, you come, in, you come correct or you ain't playing. So, um, I mean, that was at my specific team. Like, obviously at lower levels, it's just come along, have some fun. Um, but at, we're a quite competitive team. Um, so they're like the three main competitions and people approach them differently. The SKA Cup, um, there's, again, clubs approach it differently. Some people take it very seriously and some people take it less so seriously. Just to re- reinforce your point here, Cash, whenever I've played against uni- uh, Edmund University teams, yeah. it's, it's been quite interesting. It's like, how hungover is the guy marking me? <laughs> how fast will he run will he throw up we, we, we don't know we, we, we had people run off court to throw up this, this, is, this is a common thing yeah I, re- I remember my first my first game um, I was probably about I was at uni for two weeks I'd been playing court for about one and I get on the train and we're going up to Dundee and um, I, I'm a, at this point I think I'm playing for Edinburgh University third team at court this is this is a big deal and I, I see three guys come on, on the train, um, two guys and a girl come on the train and looking absolutely atrocious. And um, uh, and they sleep for pretty much the whole journey, um, apart from one of them wakes up to, to eat a whole French baguette from Tesco that they bought on the way. And at that point, I realised what the league is for, for the third team. Um, but then my first Bucks experience, it was completely different. And it was, you're locked in, you're ready to go, um, we're we're it's a it's an early night um we're gonna eat proper breakfast we're gonna get the the um sports center on time and we're gonna be organized and we're gonna we're gonna be proper about this and i guess that was that's the kind of attitude that university teams some university teams take um and it is it is a interesting uh way to go about it but i think it's one that's worked quite well for edinburgh university um because you kind of need that you want that you don't want every every sunday to be um drilling focus and um and like be perfect but the the bucks tournaments which happen there are th- there are three um which are they're usually either day or weekend events and they're the ones that that mean the most and you you, you give your 115 percent to i suppose also there's a difference between the third team it, it, oh yeah and the first team I think our first team is quite serious one's gunning, gunning for the league I believe, I believe um, Steve Lawrence I, I interviewed at Edinburgh Mavericks yeah that first team seems quite focused on winning winning the league 
um you could say they're obsessed to winning yeah um it's it's good like it's a good mentality to have um so if you're a top team in the in and you're a city team so Mavs is a city team it's not literally to uni that league is so vital to them because if they win the league then they I don't know if it's even the league or the cup, but then that takes you to Europe and you get to play against European teams, all right? Um, so that's obviously a big draw. Um, with, Ed, with Ed Uni, like I can only speak from uh, Edinburgh Uni teams. Um, so like with Ed Uni 1, like they are serious, but Ed Uni 2 is just as serious. They just play in a lower league. So I what happens up mostly is that Dan coaches the, the Ed Uni 1 and I coach the Ed Uni 2. Um, the problem is like the Ed Uni 2 still has like... Um, you know, objectives set by the sports union. You know, if you don't hit a certain round of it, they won't fund you to go to the tournament. So it's still like serious. I mean, the difference is that Jack mentioned about how his experience at Bucks was at first. So the ones didn't get a go to their final tournament. So maybe it would have been different. But for when I, obviously you were with me when we took the twos, like I did let players like have a drink. I did let players... Um, you know, I was drinking with them the night or like after our first night because I was like, th- at this point, we've already done our harder work and where we finish is kind of irrelevant for our objectives. It's about having fun, creating that memory that, yeah, they had a good time together as a team at a tournament and that will make them more likely to come back to Corfball and, and if they want to take it seriously, they want to take it seriously. It's not about trying to create the best player all the time, um, which I think, you know, sometimes, you know, that advice would help other clubs. Is is that a, a, a metaphor for the current state of development of corporal in Scotland? For me, yeah, I, I am like doing a lot of work with development, obviously, and I'm, you know, um, I'm, you know, creating some guidance on, you know, what, I, you know, what I think the SKA thinks should we should, how do we develop coaches, right? And a big, a big theme is like, you know, simply having an objective of having fun is still a good coach. You can be a good coach and say that all I want to do today is have fun. Like keeping things enjoyable and fun is the only way you can get people to enjoy the sport because look, it's not, it's not as sexy as other sports sometimes, although I think it is when you play it. So you need to like get people in draw them in, let them have a good laugh. And once they build that camaraderie, they'll come to love the sport. And then, then you'll see, you know, for me, I, I'm the classic example. I took it very limited in my uni years came to city and suddenly it switched and I'm, I'm serious i'm every session i'm trying to practice more i'm trying to learn things um so it, it, there's no point trying to force people to be like a drill sergeant straight away it's, they're just not going to build a love for it and they'll leave it's just very simple and so it sounds like you're saying that you're, you're trying to get people into the game and then the ones who want to take it seriously will uh, a lot of moment will happen. And yeah. I mean, Jack's the perfect example. Like, Jack, I mean, you can tell us. How, how many games did you piss about for? Sorry. <laughs> um, I, I remember I had um, maybe two I had two weekends. So we, the, the way that the Scottish Corporal League worked is you play a, a triple header on a Sunday usually. So you play, um, there's three teams in a sports hall and you play uh, the other two um, in a 40-minute match. Match. and so you're, you're in that sports hall for about uh, three hours in total um, and I had two of them for the uh, for the Edinburgh Unity 13. Um, Cash uh, kind of sent me a message after that and was like do you want to come along and play for the second team? Um, I think I played about two two weekends for the second team and then Dan sent me a message going do you want to come along and play for the first team? Um, because they kind of 
I think, um, I guess, noticed that that I I was quite competitive and um, driven to. I, I, I mean, some people wanted to play play and have fun, and I think that's that's important. Um, but I I quite enjoy winning and scoring lots of goals, so that's 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 why I was better suited to be be somewhere else. Um, so you got you, you got poached by the by the, by the top notch. Yeah, I kept from Dan Dan does this all the time to me. He pushes all my best players, and then he thinks he's a good coach. Huh? <laughs> I yeah. kid, I kid, I love you, Dan. But um, I mean, the point there is, like, so Jack's very obviously was very clearly like someone who was competitive and would enjoy like doing it seriously. So that gets picked up very easily by anyone who's a coach or watching the game. So it's just easier for you know those coaches at the lower levels just keep it light, keep it fun. And if, if people show these signs or like, oh, they they could do a bit more. Um, like I had that job in my city coaching. I was caught in charge of the beginner team. My job was to just get people having fun and just getting people better and better at corporal every week, and then when someone comes, you know, the coach above me says that, right, we need to have a look at what, you know, what have you got? I can point out the five players who have that potential and competitive drive to play seriously. And that way it's just easier than right from the start, putting a lot of people off by trying to be like, we're going to play this way. We're going to be strict. We're going to be this. It's, it's better to just let it naturally, let the cream of the crop naturally rise. I think anyway. The Half Court Press is on social media. Feel free to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. What is happening on an international level? Yeah, you all know the details, isn't it? The IKF, um, so cancelled, they cancelled all their competitions. Um, the from, International Corporal Federation. Yeah, International Corporal Federation, um, IKF, they, they cancelled all their competitions competitions from March last year um, they're organizing a few tournaments this year so there's um, I think there's a, a the first ever beach World Cup happening in Morocco um, there's it not a, Sri Lanka or am I, am I, messed, am I wrong no there's a there, the Sri Lankan Corporal Association are holding their own tournament oh my bad on, um, the IKF are holding the beach corporal tournament in Morocco and then there's a I think there's an under 19 either European or, or World Cup um, in France, and then the Scotland, which is um, kind of what we're uh, focused on, uh, is the uh, European uh, B Championships in October in Poland. So, so the Europeans, the European Championships are tiered as a division? You have to have them tiered because you have two, you know, like Netherlands and Belgium, just on another planet. Yeah. Um, and England even, they're just more people playing. We will hear more about these these sorts of tournaments in the episode after this one with Talbot from the IKF and uh, Neela Brennan from England Corporal. Um, but what is Scotland's involvement with the European Championships? Yes, yeah, so they've qualified. Well, they got invited to the um, European B Championships. That's of October, yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically, that that's so that this will start the new cycle. So um, it's kind of like a, it's, this one's not so important about results. It, it seems to be the kind of vibe from the SKA. Um, it's about like, let's just get restarted. And this can be like the capping off moment of like our restart from the pandemic. Um, you know, it's always nice to see the national team doing well. Um, there's quite a few good players who probably, you know, want to get that experience at like a competitive tournament at international. 
because there is a big jump, I think, from, you know, what you're playing on a Sunday, because you can be playing against Hungover Uni students to, you know, people who've taken this seriously for a long time to play at international level. So um, I guess the key is like just getting a team there and, and having a good, good show of it and see what happens. How has Scotland done in the past, Jack? Um, from now, I th- I'm probably going to, I think they've played one international tournament since I've been kind of aware of Scottish football, but um, they've always been very competitive at their, um, at the tournaments they're at. And I think that's something that the IKF has done quite well is that the tiered means that anyone who you play um, is going to be at a level that is going to make all, all the games competitive and it's not just going to be a, a walkover every time so um scotland scotland often do um i think they they they, they win they win quite a few they they lose some um at the last tournament which i think was uh stads canal um they they beat wales which is always nice to be um welsh corporal because they're they're a similar level with the us. I think they're ranked one above us in the in the international rankings at the moment, but you really? might have to fact check me on that. Um but yeah Scotland Scotland always do always do well and we always um yeah we're we're very competitive at these at these tournaments that we go to. IKF World Rankings Football Federation. So yeah the top three in the world are the Netherlands Maybe. significantly then Belgium and then Chinese Taipei which for people of my political, political yep. persuasion, is Taiwan. Um, England are, are eighth. Ireland are seventeenth. Wales are twenty second. Scotland are twenty seventh. Down We dropped. I guess we haven't played in a while. That's why. I mean, I, I like I like our team so far. It's at a good spot. I think there's a lot of talent kicking about with Scottish who can eligible for Scotland. Um, so. I think maybe they'll they'll do well. And we've also recently got a new coach who's um, not had much of a chance to to shape shape how he wants Scottish Corfu to to look and play. So I think once um, he's had a an opportunity to kind of build the squad that he wants and the style that he wants, um, I think it's going to lead to lead to us improving improving a bit. What's his name? Uh, Colin Boys. The Half Court Press is now on Patreon. Patreon is a well-known and trusted online platform that allows our fans to support the sports journalism that we create. We offer a tiered subscription plan with more content being made available to our fans who choose to spend a bit more each month. We at the Half Court Press would appreciate any and all support that you wish to contribute towards our articles, podcasts and interviews. As we begin to wind up, what are your happiest memories from Corfball? God. Jack, you want to go first? <laughs> yeah, well, there's two, there's two that I kind of want to um, mention. Um, the first one is uh, a, a random memory that when I saw this question um, in the, when you sent over that I, that I thought of, 
and uh, I remember it was a game before Christmas and um, we were, I was playing for, I think I was uh, coaching or playing for the, the third team, so it, it wasn't very important. And we were playing against two teams who were very, uh, very competitive and they'd played, they'd played a game already and it was very close and we played, we were, we were playing against the losers and they, and we were holding it quite tight and they, they really wanted to beat us. And um I remember someone had put on a speaker and the, the, our opponents were taking a penalty. And uh, for those that don't know, for a penalty, there has to be dead silence, um, full focus. And um, this, this speaker just starts playing and you can, you can gently hear in the background, uh, wham, last Christmas, as the, this guy's about to take his penalty. Um, and he made it, but I, I was worried if he, if he missed it, then he was, he was not going to be happy with with our um, our person running running the speaker and the shot clock, um, but that's that's a memory that I'll always hold because I I, I really wanted to laugh, um, but I knew that it, I would have been very very bad form to. Yeah, you you would have been in trouble, bro. Moment he's taking a penalty. Yeah, that's a good one. Um, for me, I've I've quite a quite a lot. Like I really loved um, my first year playing. Um, I, I was in contention for the Edwina first team, but I wasn't quite as good as Jack, so I didn't get a player. Um, slash the team was much better back then, but, you know. Um, <laughs> but I enjoyed playing for the second team because I actually um, met like a, like a lot of people that, I'm, you know, that I would consider mates, um, even though maybe I don't, so I haven't spoken to them enough since we've graduated, but um, like I met them that year, like Corporal, like was a really big influence on my, on my life. Um, and when I started, I was in, in a kind of bad place and it helped me get through it. Um, so that first year, um, first few games, I mean, my first game is funny as well, beat Dan with seven players. He had eight. I mean, like, how can you do that? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I didn't even know what was happening half the game. Um, but but my best memories are definitely like coaching. Um, taking a team to Bucks. Um, I've done it twice now, um, you know, two separate seasons, one as an assistant coach, one as like a proper coach. Um, it's, it's just a, it's just a laugh. Like everyone's like buzzing, um, especially if it's just like the Scotland team and we're like, everyone's shot Scotland represent, um, against all the English team. Um, I, but then I get in trouble a lot at, at these tournaments cause I'm a bit too lively, <laughs> you know, as a coach, I stand up and walk about, um, that's not allowed apparently in England, but it's allowed in Scotland. So I'm, I'm I'm like, ah, no, I can't just make your own rules up. Um, all that, you know, I'm a bit chatty. Um, but it's the vibe of like seeing like your team, they've worked so hard all year, like uh been harsh on them at times, you know. Um, and they're all just having fun playing. Um, and it's it's honestly one of the most fulfilling things I've done. Um, even though it's just core four and it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, but seeing like the happiness when they score a goal, win a game, um, you know, slash get the Nando's after a couple of drinks bus back up it's just a good weekend who have been the best players that you've played with jack um off the top of my head um i've not really i've not really played with that many different players i've been kind of stuck in the Edinburgh <laughs> bubble um as much as cash is gonna is gonna cry i'd say i'd say dan um is dan Pratt is, a, is an incredibly um I think clever player. Um, he's probably the, the smartest player that I've ever played with, um, and I guess I've I've been quite lucky to be able to play in the same division as him, and I'm going to see see his tricks and learn off them. Um, so I think he's he's the player that he's probably the, the cleverest and the one that I've learned the most off. 
How much did he pay you to say this? <laughs> you know what? You know what? I might I might give Dan some love here. He he actually he actually is one of one of the best players I've seen. Um what goes up on here is very important in corkball. Um and he has that down to a T, except when decisions go against him. He does like, get <laughs> angry and stuff. He's he's got he's got, he needs to calm down on his hot head in the speed knows this. Um but as like IQ seeing the game, his ability to rebound without jumping because he's a quite tall, but he's just good at positioning. These are things that I've studied off him and tried to add into my own game. Um, and, you know, he is a very good player. But for me, there's only one person who's who's ever been as good. And it's a guy, he doesn't, he doesn't live here anymore. He's back in the Netherlands. So he's obviously a Dutch boy. That's why he's good. Um, his name's Tyus. Um, I can't I can't pronounce the second name. Um but is it, I mean, slightly biased. We've gone on lots of, you know, had lots of good memory together, you know, drank together a few times, a um, couple nights out. But he is unbelievable. So in that game I'm talking about where we beat seven, we had seven and, and Dan's team had eight and we won. It's because Ty has played in the division with three people versus four. He was the only guy. And I've never, this is my first game and straight away, I knew this might be the best player I've ever seen. Because this guy can move, he can balance, he can shoot from anywhere, he can jump over people and grab the ball. He, he's the perfect embodiment of, in terms of what I've seen, in terms of the well-balanced player. He can do anything on the court, so then therefore he can be on the court at all times. So he is definitely the best player I've seen. And But he's too good that I can't even emulate him. So Dan's more like more of an influence. He's slow, so like that suits well for me. So it, 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 it's, it, achievable targets you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah, Dan. Dan's like Dan's like the you know the middle level. Well, much more than that. But like he's someone you can aspire <laughs> to. Tyus is. I mean, unless you're like fully fit, you know, been doing some workout all your life. Yeah, I don't think you can be Tyus. Who have been the best players that you've played against? Jack. Now again, I it I haven't I haven't played. Um, loads but there's there's always some players who stand out in my mind who I remember playing against and thinking I cannot defend you and I cannot beat you on when I'm attacking um I guess that's um I think Steve Lawrence from Mavs um is just incredibly shifty and I think was always two three steps ahead of what I was trying to do uh, when I was attacking um in, on Dundee, uh, Callum Lindsay again is just uh, in Glasgow. It, uh, yeah, in Glasgow, Callum Lindsay um, was was uh, just knew knew what I wanted to do and um, got there before me. And uh, is is just an incredibly frustrating player to play against because whatever you want to do, he knows what you want to do and and stops it. So I think those those are the players that I have the most respect for. The ones that have have the mental game um like on 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 lock and know how to play the game um, that's yeah because because anyone can be six foot five and um go to the gym every other day but it takes a lot more skill and uh dedication to to know what you're doing and know what everyone else is doing I mean, I'll I'll give some love, even though I I technically don't play against them because they're female. I don't match up with them. I I'll, I'll give some love to some of the best like females on the opposing team. Um, Ella Paul at City, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, Laura, she doesn't she doesn't live here anymore. Again, another Dutch um woman, unbelievable. Um, Nadine, it might be the shiftiest player I've seen ever. Um, 
She did a lot of work at Straff. She's the reason why they were so good for so long. Um, sorry? What's her surname? Nadine what? Uh, is it Gallagher? Gallagher, yeah. Yeah. Um, Nadine Gallagher, very good. She does she does some nice um arts and arts and crafts now, actually. Um, but um and then I'll probably have to give a shout out to be fair, like Ross McGuinness, because he's not I mean, he's not like maybe the best player I've ever played against, but um he I think he played maybe a year, he started a year before I started, and he was always just better than me. Um, which was really annoying. Um, but he he's unbelievable. He's definitely he's got the body for it and he's he's picked up the skill and the technique uh way quicker than I did. Um and he's someone definitely to watch out for. Um potential future in, in Scotland team, you never know. All right. So the last the last question, which I'll give you both a chance to answer in three words. What makes corfball the best sport in the world, Jack? Um, I'd say quick, intelligent, and exciting. I'd know that the last one's a, a pretty a pretty weak word, but um, the 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 excitement of a, of, of a goal or just something really defensive is, um, I guess. I guess you get it with all sports, but with corporal, it's something that I, I really come to appreciate because starting from a level that I can't, I can't do anything. Um, even even now, when whenever I score or uh, do something that I'm really pleased with, then I, I get I get more of a more of a buzz from it than than any other sport that I played. So yeah, quick, intelligent, exciting. That's a good yeah. one. I I'll take a bit of a different approach. Um, I will go with. Teamwork. That's two already. No, no, teamwork's one word. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, God, you just got me there. Um, teamwork. Um, social. And accessible. It's it's super accessible. That like Jack mentioned it. Anyone can come and start corporal. And if you're, I don't know about any other coach. Maybe I'm just an amazing coach. Probably not. Everyone can do it. I, I, if you, if you come to me, I will make sure. Sure you can have fun at corporal and you can play and you can play games and you can score and that's all it is no matter what level you play at, if you can do enough things that you can get shots off and you can score it's just fun so that's why i've gone to teamwork accessible social very social jack pitt and kashif urshut nice thank you so much no problem thanks for having us This has been a Half Court Press production by Teo McLeod. If you have enjoyed this show, please leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Facebook.